You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, May 3rd, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and today our episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Welcome to the show today. Those of us who are in the media covering the NFL know something that would surprise a lot of people. The period of time which generates the most interest and the highest traffic is not the beginning of the season. And it's not the playoffs. It's not the Super Bowl. It's right now. For whatever reason, the highest traffic for websites and podcasts always comes after the NFL draft. And it seems very counterintuitive because this is the period of time where teams are putting together their roster. And yet we have more people interested than the periods where the games are actually being played. So with that in mind, I'm sure there are many people listening to this podcast for the first time. I'd like to say welcome. I hope we put together a good show for you today that you enjoy. And just know this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day, Monday through Friday, through most of the year. So if you enjoy what you hear today, come back tomorrow and come back the rest of the week. We'll be here Monday through Friday. Now, the New York Jets and the rest of the NFL have concluded the 2021 NFL Draft. The Jets drafted 10 new players over the weekend, and they also signed a bunch of undrafted free agents. Now, we can never say for sure what the future holds, but I cannot help but wonder whether we may look back on this weekend as the point where the Jets built a new offense. Because when you look at it in its most basic terms... An NFL offense has four major components. It has the quarterback, it has blockers, it has pass catchers, and it has runners. And with their first four picks, the Jets addressed all of these areas. And they addressed all of these areas with prospects who are considered high-quality players, prospects who are considered either fair values or very good values relative to where they were selected. Now, on Friday's show, we left off at a point where the Jets had drafted Zach Wilson second and Elijah Vera Tucker 14th. And they owned the second pick of the second round. And because of the trade-up for Elijah Vera Tucker, that was the only pick they owned on day two. They previously had a pair of third-round picks, but they sent those to Minnesota when they traded up. And I could not help but think back 10 years. That was the 2011 NFL Draft. And I remember this draft well because I actually covered it at Radio City Music Hall. And in that draft, the Jets did not have a second-round pick. They had traded it the year before for Antonio Cromartie. And the Jets were coming off an AFC Championship game appearance, which meant they were picking at the bottom of every round. So the only pick the Jets had that night, it was day two of the draft, rounds two and three. The only pick they had was their third-round pick, which happened to come at the end of the third round. And I believe it was the fourth-to-last pick of the night. So it was a really boring night sitting there on Radio City Music Hall because I essentially sat there and the Jets did nothing until they drafted Kendrick Ellis near the end of the third round. What happened on Friday night was kind of the opposite because the Jets owned the second pick of the night, but they owned nothing else. So you knew unless they either traded down from 34 or they traded up 
from the fourth round where, you know, they owned the second pick of the fourth round. So there was always a possibility they could trade up to get back into the third round. But unless they did that, you knew that they would make a pick early and then the rest of the night would be boring. It would be the reverse of what happened 10 years earlier. And I entered this night kind of conflicted on what I wanted the Jets to do. I'm a big believer in stockpiling draft picks. I want the Jets to have as many picks as possible. That said, and I, I usually I would not love the Jets lacking a third round pick, but that said, if there was ever a year you were going to lack a third round pick, if there was ever a year where you could justify it, it would be a situation like the Jets were in, where you were getting three of the top 34 players in the draft, or may, at least making three of the top 34 selections and you owned a pick at the very top of the fourth round. This is the type of scenario where I feel like you can at least live with it if you're not making a third round pick. So and I was kind of conflicted because there were lots of good players who were still available at the end of round one. So on the one hand, if the, dra- if the Jets draft one of these guys, that's great. On the other hand, there are so many good players that, you know, I could live with a trade down, especially if it could get you back into the third round. So I'm kind of conflicted. And I, I think that kind of came through if you listen to the podcast on Friday. You know, on the one hand, I hate not having a third-round pick. On the other hand, if you take a look at what the Jets did, in a normal draft, you'd typically have three picks in the first three rounds. The Jets still had three picks in the first three rounds. It just, instead of a first-rounder, a second-rounder, and a third-rounder, they had two first-rounders and a second-rounder. By the way, that second-rounder happened to be very high. So you could even make an argument the Jets left this draft with more capital in the early rounds than they typically had, even without a third-round pick. Well, they got on the clock after Jacksonville selected it at 33, and they ended up picking Elijah Moore, a wide receiver out of Mississippi. And I have to say, I was delighted by the pick. Now, there was only, there really was only one thing that the Jets could have done with pick 34 that I would have had a big problem with, and that would have been drafting a running back. And uh, Javante Williams out of North Carolina probably would have been the pick if they had done that. Throughout the draft analysis heading into pick 34 if you're watching on tv on espn they kept talking about running back running back running back i did not want a running back uh you know it's a low impact position it was the only pick the jets had that day there were so many higher impact and by the way i also felt like there were going to be some decent day three running backs which we'll get to in a little bit so i felt like the jets could ably fill the running back position with somebody who would probably be just as good as javante williams and this had nothing to do with Javante Williams, who I think is an excellent prospect, but I wanted to see the Jets address something else other than running back at 34. But ESPN keeps going on about running back, running back, running back. And in situations like this, there is one guarantee in life is if I do not want the Jets to do something and I'm adamant about it, I will inevitably get a call from my father saying that he thinks the Jets should do that. And sure enough, right as the Jets are about to go on the clock, my father calls me and goes, I'm thinking running back here. I'm just like, "Ah, no, no running backs. And the Jets do pick Elijah Moore out of Mississippi. This is the kind of player, I feel like every year there's a guy like Elijah Moore, a big play threat, a guy with lots of speed, who's going to add a lot of playmaking ability to this team. And I want the Jets to take him, and they never do. So, you know, as much as I was kind of hoping for a trade down, the Jets finally took a guy, the kind of guy that I want. I want somebody who's going to add playmaking ability to the offense. We're building an offense for the Jets. So I was very happy with this pick. Uh, there are a couple directions the Jets could have gone in. Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia, I liked a lot. Now, there were medical questions with him, so, you know, part of that is if they had picked him, the doctors would have had to sign off on it. Uh, there was the, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, who I thought would have been a decent fit, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. But as I said in the lead-up to the draft, 
this was a good spot for the Jets to go wide receiver. I've been saying this for months, if you go back and listen to shows, that I felt like the 23-34 range, which or 23 was the pick the Jets originally owned before they traded up, I felt like there's going to be a good receiver available for them there. And they're in a good, they were in a good spot at wide receiver because it was not a glaring need. And this allows Elijah Moore to come in and earn a, a spot on the field. You know, he, he could potentially earn a spot on the field he could earn playing time but he's not going to be pressured to play immediately now i think he's going to get on the field but it's a great situation for the jets to be in adding a playmaker you know if you listened to our ultimate mock draft that we did on locked on i played the role of joe douglas jets general manager and i was a little nervous because at pick 23 the board was not really falling the way i wanted it to and i picked a wide receiver i picked terrace marshall out of lsu and it was under the same principle as the jets picking elijah moore here and it was you know, I would have liked, I would have been happy with Marshall, but I'm also happy with Moore. You can always use another playmaker on offense. I think one of the things we've learned through the years, watching the Jets fail to develop young quarterbacks, failing to put them in a position to succeed, the Jets are not investing enough in weapons for a young quarterback. And I think an Elijah Moore can really help change this offense. And, you know, you look a year from now, or even this year, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, if he develops the way we're hoping to, he will, Elijah Moore, we got some weapons on this offense for Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, when he steps on the field the first time, will have a far better cast of receivers than Sam Darnold ever had. This is the best. This will be a better offense than Sam Darnold ever had. So the Jets learning their lessons a little bit um, from the, I mean, it's not, it should be an obvious lesson to learn. And Joe Douglas was not really the guy who failed to build around Darnold. But the Jets are, it seems like the Jets are avoiding the mistakes they made with Darnold. And Elijah Moore, I think, I, I am so happy with that pick. I, I, I really was, I was thrilled on Friday night when the Jets when the Jets made that pick. Ahead, we're going to talk about what the Jets did on Saturday here on the Locked On Jets podcast. Hey, Jets fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, the most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT, D-R-A-F-T, to 231231. That's DRAFT, to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday after the 2021 NFL Draft. The Jets added 10 new players over the weekend. In the first segment, we talked about the Jets selecting Elijah Moore, 34th overall. And that was the end of the night Friday for the Jets. They went through the entire second and third rounds without making another pick. 
Then we got to Saturday, and the Jets owned the second pick of the day. It was the second pick of round four. And at this point of the draft, I was thinking that I either wanted Jabril Cox, the linebacker out of LSU, who really good cover linebacker prospect, or I wanted to go running back. I felt like this was the spot you go running back. And listen, running back was a glaring need. It's just the value of a running back is not there early in the draft. And you could kind of see the way this draft was setting up, and you could see that there was going to be a good player at the position available for the Jets in the fourth round. So that's kind of the way I was hoping they would play it, and that's exactly how they did play it. They picked Michael Carter out of North Carolina. Now, we talked a little bit about how the logical pick, if the Jets had gone running back at 34, was Javante Williams. Well, Michael Carter was his teammate, a guy who I think is a really good fit in the offense Mike LaFleur is installing. He's got vision. He's got some burst. He's got pass-catching ability. He's everything I think you could want in a run. Now, listen, I don't want to go crazy because it was a fourth-round pick, but I think he's a really good fit for the Jets. I think that this was the point where going running back made a lot of sense for this team. And I feel, you know, I think in the fourth round, you're kind of nearing the period where the draft becomes a lottery where most of the players are flawed. You know, you're kind of just hoping you, you find guys with the traits you're looking for guys who are good developmental fits for your system. I think the Jets pick in the fourth round was right at the edge of that area. I've actually studied this through the years and it seems like early to middle fourth round is the point where it just becomes a pure lottery, but you can kind of hedge your bets. I think at that point of the draft, you still have a reasonable chance of getting a quality running back and, you know, you look at what the Jets did in the first four rounds. Now, listen, rounds five and round six, the, that is the dart throw portion of the draft. That's just, you know, you're hoping you hit on something. The first four rounds, I really liked all of the Jets' picks. And that's not typically the case. Usually there's like a Michael Pirine or there's a James Morgan or there's a Jabari Zaniga or last year's case, all three. But, you know, you could go back and think about Trevon Wesco in 2019 uh, you go back to 2014, Dexter McDougal in the third round. There's, there's usually one pick that like I just hate in the first four rounds. Bryce Petty back in 2015. There's, there's some pick somewhere that I just say, why did the Jets do that? I liked all of these picks. This is the rare, rare time where I get through an early, the early rounds of the draft, and I'm very happy with what the Jets did. Now, listen, part of this is the fact they had three of the, thir the first 34 picks. I mean, you should be very happy when you pick three of the top 34 players in the draft. You should feel like you got great value. But you look at those guys, and you look at the addition of Michael Carter in the fourth round, and it really feels like the Jets may have built an offense for the future. The Jets have invested in offense. The Jets are finally entering the 21st century of the NFL, and they're building an offense. They're taking a quarterback, but not just taking a quarterback, building around that quarterback. And the other interesting thing is... If you look at what the Jets did in free agency, aside from Corey Davis, and you could find, you know, there are a few minor signings, but it felt like free agency was mostly focused on the, def the defense while the draft was mostly focused on the offense. Now, I'm not saying that the Jets went in and definitively decided that, you know, we're only signing defensive players or we're only drafting offensive players. But I think they probably looked at the landscape and kind of hedged in that direction. They kind of saw that if all things were all things equal defense was going to be easier for them to fill in free agency and offense there was going to be a lot of talent available to them in the draft at least where they were picking so you know I, I feel like they maybe they went in 
with that mindset. I'm not saying that, again. I'm not look. They they signed Corey Davis as well, so it's not like they they ruled out offense and free agency. But it's kind of interesting the way things played out on that front. And again, I don't think the Jets went in and said we're definitively drafting offense no matter what. You know, if say a Greg Newsom or a Caleb Farley had fallen to 34, they may have picked a corner at 34. But it seemed like they were really kind of focused. If all things were equal, they were going to build the offense. They were going to put the pieces in place to help Zach Wilson succeed. In a way, the pieces were not in place for Sam Darnold. And the last of those players was Michael Carter. After that, the, you know, we were. I, I think after the Michael Carter pick in the fourth round, we kind of passed the point where the Jets could reasonably expect to get a good player. The rest of these guys that they drafted were just kind of lottery tickets. However, although they were done picking players they had a reasonable chance of success with, they were not finished picking players named Michael Carter. And we'll talk about the picks from rounds five and six ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and the new and improved Built Bar is now even more delicious. There are now 18 amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15, one word, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday, recapping the 2021 NFL draft class for the New York Jets. The Jets made four picks in the first four rounds of the draft, and it was all offense all the time. The Jets then made three picks in round five and three picks in round six, and it was all defense all the time. And to be more specific, it was all defensive back all the time. Of the six players the Jets picked in round five and round six, the first five were defensive backs. Now, some of these guys are likely to move into more of a linebacker-type role in the NFL, and in many defensive systems, the distinction between safety and linebacker is going away. You have guys who do a little bit of both. Anyway, the Jets originally owned the 143rd pick entering Saturday. That was a pick they got in the trade Thursday night with Minnesota. The Jets sent the 23rd pick and both of their third rounders to Minnesota. In exchange, the Vikings sent pick 14, but they also sent pick 143 to the Jets, which was a late fourth round pick. The Jets traded down on Saturday. They sent pick 143 which again came from Minnesota, to the Raiders for picks 162 and 200. And as I mentioned, I feel like this stage of the draft is kind of the lottery ticket portion. So the more lottery tickets you have, the better your chances are. So I will never complain about a day three trade down that gets you an extra pick because the teams that pick the best on day three tend to be the teams that have the most picks because these players are so flawed and so difficult to project that the more chances you have, the better the odds are you're going to find somebody good. The Jets did make their selection at pick 146. It was Jamie and Sherwood, who was a safety at Auburn. And this is one of those guys who may move to more of a linebacker role in Robert Sala's defense. I anticipate maybe he'll play some special teams for the Jets as well. He does have some special teams experience there. Then at pick 154, the Jets picked Michael Carter II out of Duke. Now, you may remember pick 107 was Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina. So Jets take another Michael Carter who played at an ACC school in North Carolina, Michael Carter II. As I joked on Saturday, 
I don't know about this one. Seems a little early for a sequel. Sequels usually are not good, especially when they come so soon after the original. Jets pick Michael Carter 107 and Michael Carter the second at 154. Carter the second is is pretty speedy. He could project to either a safety role or a slot corner role, most likely. It'll be interesting to see where the Jets put him. Up next was pick 162, and that was the pick the Jets got in the trade down with the Raiders. Well, they traded down again. They sent pick 162 and pick 226 to the Chiefs for picks 175 and 207. So essentially, the Jets moved down in the fifth to move up in the sixth. And I said this at the time it happened. It felt to me like every year Mike McCagnan, when he was Jets general manager, made some useless trade on day three where he'd do something like this, move down in the fifth to move up in the sixth. I mean, how much are you gaining by moving up in the sixth? It probably It's probably about as much as you lose by moving down in the fifth. It, this was To me, this was a trade for the sake of making a trade. It was just a pointless deal. I mean, just if you're not going to get an extra pick, pick somebody. I don't think it really... I mean, it does, look, it doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't help. It doesn't hurt. It just seemed like a trade for the sake of making a trade. So I guess that was Joe Douglas paying tribute to Mike McCagden by making a useless day three trade. In any event, at 175 overall, the Jets uh, picked Jason Pinnock, a corner out of Pittsburgh, a guy who kind of fits the template of the Robert Sala corner. You know, um, Sala originally, when he was coming up on the defensive side of the ball, worked with Seattle. I guess I should not say originally because his first job in the NFL was with the Houston Texans, but he then moved to Seattle, and he was there at a point where the Seahawks had a template for late round quarter corners they were drafting. You know, they took Richard Sherman late, they took Byron Maxwell late. They didn't draft Brandon Browner, but they brought him in from the CFL. And there was a specific template they wanted. They wanted guys with length. They wanted guys who were fairly explosive athletes, not necessarily guys who had great straight line speed, not necessarily guys who dominated the 40, but they wanted big guys who you know were, were somewhat explosive athletically. And they wanted to teach those guys. They wanted to coach them up. And, Jason Pinnock, I mean, he's, he's a prospect, but he kind of fits that template of what the what Salah is looking for in a corner. So, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. My hopes are not high for any fifth-round pick, but I think that that's kind of the template they were looking for. Pick 186 came in the sixth round, and the Jets made an interesting pick here. I think of the day three picks after Michael Carter, so of the guys the Jets drafted round five, round six, the most interesting selection was pick 186 overall, where they drafted a prospect out of Florida State, Hamsa Nasril Dean. Now, he was listed as a safety in college. The Jets listed him as a linebacker on the information they sent to the media so he's a guy who's going to be you know you would think he's kind of a hybrid type guy this is an interesting pick because this was a player who some people thought was going to be a highly drafted prospect but then he tore his ACL in 2019 and really did not play much in 2020 now I don't want to put too many expectations on him because you know when you say a guy could have gone high in the draft it's a little bit tricky when he misses an entire season because an entire season, you know, your last college season can have a big impact on your draft. If you play well, you can improve your draft position, but there are also highly touted guys every year who have a bad final year in college and really hurt their stock. So, you know, it's difficult to say how his final season would have played out. But again, this is the type of guy you look at as potentially a sixth round pick who has more ability you know, if he's healthy, if he gets back to the player he was at Florida State. This could be the kind of guy 
who was much better than a sixth round talent who just fell there because of injury concerns. So it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do with him. They did list him as a linebacker. You know, he played safety in college. And again, the distinction is going away. The, the, the distinction between linebacker and safety is kind of going away. So I don't want to get too caught up in all of that. But interesting pick at 186. A guy with that kind of ability at 186. Now, again, he's got to get back. He's got to show he's healthy. He's got to show he's the same player he was. But an intriguing pick, if nothing else. Then they pick 200. The Jets picked uh, Brandon Eccles, a corner out of Kentucky. Again, another guy who Jets are going to try and coach up at the corner position. I would not expect to see him or Jason Pinnock on the field this year. I would not even be shocked to see either guy end up on the practice squad. But again, Salah was shaped in early in his career by the Seahawks, who were constantly getting guys in the late round, getting unheralded guys who fit a certain physical profile and coaching them up. So we'll see whether, we'll, I mean, I don't anticipate any of these guys becoming Richard Sherman, but I think there's a clear template in place, I think, for what Salah is trying to do. And then the final pick the Jets made was a defensive lineman, Jonathan Marshall, a defensive tackle out of Arkansas. You know, a guy who needs a lot of work, but a guy whose athletic profile for his size is pretty impressive. You know, there, there's something to work with athletically. You know, it reminds me of the old, if you, if you remember, this was, and this is going back decades, but the Giants used to have this general manager, George Young, who was the GM when Bill Parcells was there. And the Giants had this thing called the Planet Theory, and the, the planet theory was essentially that there are only a handful of really athletic guys who could play, who could theoretically have the tools to play on either the offensive line or defensive line in the NFL. So if you have the chance to draft one of them, you take it. Now, it was more for the early rounds, not so much for round six. And again, I keep my expectations in check for anybody who goes round six. But Jonathan Marshall, you do have some interesting tools to work with. If you just look at his athletic profile and his size. Now, learning how to play the game is, is pretty important, and I think there, there's a lot of development that will need to happen there. This is a guy I would look at as a, probably a practice squatter this year and a developmental defensive lineman. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy our show, subscribe to it and leave it a five-star review. And again, if you're new to the show, this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day of the week, so we'll be back tomorrow. We will talk then. Have a great day, everybody.